Last week, Alicia led us through an examination and exploration into Mary's story. This week, we look at Joseph's story from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged uh, to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife. They had no marital relations and had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we pray that as we ponder Joseph's experience, that you would guide and direct us and speak to our hearts as we reflect on his fears. May we learn how better to live with and live through and trust you amid our fears. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Uh, my parents' house in Greensboro, North Carolina, borders a heavily wooded city park, and there are wonderful trails through that park. So every time we visit, I make sure to walk on those trails. The day after Christmas uh, last year, I was walking the trails, and uh, eight deer just leaped across the path right in front of me about 20 feet away. And then I keep walking, and I come to this wonderful clearing, and the sun is shining on the trees at just the right spot, and, and I pause just to savor and soak it all in, and to thank God, and to praise God in the midst of God's wonderful creation. And as I'm doing all of this, I hear a sound behind me, and I slowly turn, and 30 feet away, there is a fox approaching. And at 30 feet my thought was, what a beautiful animal. At 25 feet, my thought was, I wonder if he sees me yet. At 20 feet, my thought was, should I stay or should I go? Stand my ground or run? At 15 feet, I'm wondering, are rabies shots really as painful as people say they are? And then I'm also thinking, see, this was, this was uh, Saturday. I'm thinking, all right, who's going to preach tomorrow if I'm in the hospital? And then at 10 feet, I twitch just a little bit. The fox finally sees me and runs away. He was more afraid of me than I was of him. But it was a wonderful insight, a moment to reflect upon how fear operates in our minds. One of the things that fear does is cause us to look ahead and to imagine what might happen. Brene Brown puts it this way. She talks about how in a split second, 
we are able to write stories in our minds of what might happen. Now, usually those stories are far-fetched. Usually those stories uh, presume the worst. But sometimes they're accurate. And, and what fear does, it, it can at its best enable us to envision a possible outcome and take precautionary measures so that that outcome can be more positive, although I don't know if there's anything I could have done in that moment if that fox had it in for me. But more often than not, our fears cause us to write a story of what might happen, and that story creates panic, maybe even paralysis within us. So Joseph gets the news somehow that Mary, to whom he is engaged, is pregnant. He doesn't know the divine source yet. All he knows is that he is not the father. And imagine the fear-based stories that he must have been writing in his mind at that moment. What will the village say? What scandal, what shunning will take place? What happens to my carpentry business? What shame upon Mary and me and on my family. Joseph was a righteous man. He knows the law. He knows the law at that point literally could be interpreted to say that the person who commits adultery is to be killed. He also knows that that rarely happens in that day, but still, adultery is a a huge, huge deal. And so surely he is writing these fear-based, understandably, fear-based stories of the worst that can possibly happen. So this is what he chooses to do. He says in verse 19, a righteous man, Matthew says, a righteous man, Joseph, was and unwilling to expose Mary to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. He he moves towards the divorce proceedings. He, He wants to quietly avoid all of the negative things that he knows can happen. Now, before we go any further, it is interesting to note, I think, that Joseph responds, in the midst of his initial fear, he still responds with compassion and kindness. How many of us, when we are afraid and we're writing stories of what might happen, lose all sense of compassion? And we move into self-preservation mode, and we forget the call to love our neighbors. In our fear, we can be very cruel. In our fear, human beings can be very cruel, and all manner of negative things happen. But Joseph doesn't do this. He, he, he does what he plans to do. He, he works. He's a righteous man, so he seeks to follow the law, but he wants to do so quietly so as not to bring harm to Mary. seems to me that's not a bad example to keep in mind when we are faced with fear for what might happen to ourselves or for someone we love. But then an angel speaks to Joseph in a dream. And the angel says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And what happens here is is not just the typical scriptural example of an angel appearing to a person and saying, don't be afraid. Uh, Joseph is dreaming, so he's not overwhelmed by the appearance of an angel as if he would be if he were fully alert. 
Instead, the angel is addressing his specific fears and the stories that he is writing out of those fears. And the angel responds with a promise. Do not be afraid to marry Mary, because the child conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and he shall save his people from their sins. It is a promise not only that all will be well with what is happening, but it is a promise to say that God is doing something absolutely amazing through Mary's baby. And Joseph has a role to play. Joseph has a function in this wonderful story that God is writing. And it is this promise that the angel makes that enables Joseph to get past his fear and to do that which God calls him to do. He wakes from the dream and he he obeys the instructions uh, of the angel and and he marries, Mary goes through with it and, and, and we're celebrating the birth of Jesus even to this day. But for us, what I think this suggests is in the midst of our fears... When we are afraid for ourselves or for someone we love or for the institutions of which we are a part, our schools, our business, our city, our church, anything that produces fear in us, in that moment, Joseph reminds us to look for a promise from God. For it is the promise from God, more so than Joseph's very calm response earlier, it is the promise from God that truly enables him to live faithfully in the midst of a fearful situation. And I believe the same is true for us. Whatever it is that's causing us to write a story that may or may not happen, but it's creating fear and anxiety within us, we pause and we look for God's promise. And that promise will anchor us in the Lord. Jack Dossenbach, uh, 20 years ago, was the chair of the pastor's church committee that called us to Sanford, North Carolina, First Baptist Church. Jack was a colonel in General Patton's army in World War II, and he came after the war to Sanford. He settled in Sanford, and he established a furniture store, and that store uh, exists to this day with his son, one of his sons, running it. Jack described to me uh, long ago a time in the war when he was under enemy fire. And and as he was in the midst of that incredibly fearful situation and very dangerous situation, he heard a voice. He heard a voice saying the words of the 23rd Psalm. And then he began to speak those words along with the voice that was speaking to him. And it wasn't a guarantee that everything was going to be okay and that he was going to survive. It was more a sense that as he walked through the valley of the shadow of death, that he knew that God was with him. And it was that promise through a voice that he hears that enables him to be strong and courageous and gives him peace in the midst of great danger and fear. For Jack, the promise of God appears as a voice. For Joseph, the promise of God comes through a dream. Maybe the promise of God has come to you in that way. A voice, a dream, something that you hear, something that sparks a thought in your mind, something that you experience. Maybe that's happened for you. But most often, God's promises come to us when the Holy Spirit 
brings to our minds a promise from Scripture. And as that promise from Scripture is retrieved by the Spirit and comes into our consciousness, that promise enables us to live faithfully with courage in the midst of fear. So in those moments when we feel weak and we have a great challenge and we don't know where our strength is going to come from, we hear the promise from Isaiah chapter 40 that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. When we're in a place of decision and we don't have the wisdom that we need to make that decision, we hear the promise of James that says, if you're lacking wisdom, ask God who gives it grace abundantly, ungrudgingly. It will be given to you. Or in a situation where we're not sure where things are going, we're not sure what's happening, we're not sure how things are going to work out, we hear the promise of Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. In the midst of fear, it's the promises of God that we run to, that we turn to, and that we trust the Holy Spirit to bring to our minds. And here's where reading Scripture 15 minutes a day is so important. If we don't have the words of Scripture, the promises of God hidden in our hearts, there's less for the Holy Spirit to retrieve and bring to our minds. And so we read Scripture every day. All of it, including the promises. And the more God's promises are hidden in our heart, the more the Spirit will bring them to our minds when we are afraid. All right, I have to confess a fear for you right now. Are you ready? Here's a fear. We've spent $100,000 more as a church this year than we've given. Now, I'm new, so maybe this is just how we roll at Fifth Avenue Baptist. But I don't think so. Now, like every church, we have a history of strong giving at the end of December. And, and that's what I'm accustomed to. But that's a pretty big hole with less than two weeks remaining in the year. So how do we handle that fear? Well, we turn to a promise. A promise from God. A promise that says that God always provides for us. But there's something else that we have to do. We have to act on the promises. I'll come back to this in just a second. Here's the thing that Joseph does. He hears the promise, and then he acts on it. He does exactly what the angel tells him to do. See, God doesn't say, I make you this promise, and you just relax, and I'm going to take care of everything else, and you have nothing else to do. God gives us the promise in the midst of the fear and then expects us to act on the promise as God works in and through us in a cooperative venture as the Holy Spirit enables us to do that which God calls us to do and then God works through us to fulfill the promises made. God will give us strength 
But we have a role to play. We have to wait on the Lord for that strength, and when we receive that strength, we act on it. God will work all things together for our good, but we have a role to play. We have to be fully engaged in whatever is happening in our lives. It's not as if we can just disengage and and then God takes everything from there and works it out. No, we have to be fully engaged. And God does promise to provide. But we have to trust God's provisions and to act, and in this particular case for our church, to give. And I hope that you will join me in trusting God's promises to provide for us as individuals and as a congregation and to give sacrificially as the year comes to an end. And to put in our pledges for our work for the year to come. It's what Joseph did. Joseph receives the promise. It settles his fears. And out of that promise, he acts in such a way and the world will never be the same. We celebrate Joseph's faithfulness every time we celebrate the birth of Jesus. So, Joseph moves from fear to a promise from God to deep trust in God. And ultimately, that's how we live with fear and are not overwhelmed by fear. We hear the promises of God. We trust those promises. We trust God. And we move forward doing our part knowing that God is with us. Wendell Berry is a Kentucky novelist. That's a nod to Kentucky basketball fans after their defeat of North Carolina yesterday. (laughs) Hey, I did say, I'm a gracious loser. So Wendell Berry is a Kentucky novelist. and Fifty years ago, he dreamed up a fictional community, farming community in Kentucky, and he's been writing about the characters in that community ever since. And one of the characters he created is the town barber, Jaber Crow. And all throughout his short stories over the last 50 years or so, you you see little appearances from the barber. And Jaber has this barber shop that he rents in an old building, and and he's a bachelor. He's got an apartment uh, just upstairs. And for decades, he cuts the hair of the men of the community. He comes to know the stories of the town, and these folks are no longer customers, they're his friends. Well, it comes time for him to retire, and he finds a little cabin down by the the river, a little fishing cabin. He's going to spend his days just relaxing and and fishing whenever he he feels like it. Um, The only thing he owns in the barber shop that he's been renting is the barber chair. He doesn't know what to do with it, so he brings the barber chair with him down to his little fishing cabin and puts it right there in the little front room. And before he knows it, his old clients or customers, who are also his friends, are coming down to the fishing cabin, interrupting his solitude and his fishing and asking and actually expecting and demanding a haircut. You mean you wouldn't cut my hair if I've come all this way? And so he's got the barber chair. He still has his scissors, so he does his thing. And pretty soon he realizes that there's one big difference between getting a haircut in the barber chair in the fishing cabin and in getting a haircut in the barber chair in the barber shop. There are no mirrors on the wall. He brought the chair to the cabin, but he didn't bring the mirrors, which means the men who are getting their haircut 
cannot see what their barber is doing as he's cutting that. Can anybody volunteer to do that? Get your hair styled or cut without being able to see what's going on the whole time? And he comes to realize that these friends who have been his friends year after year after year completely trust him with their hair. They don't have to see what he is doing to them. They trust. They trust. They trust. And so it is for us. We can't see what God is doing in our lives. We can't see ahead as to how God will make something work out for us. We can't see ahead to know how God will use us to bless the world. We can't see ahead as to how God will bless us if we give sacrificially. We can't see it. But still we trust in the promise of God to be with us. We sit in the chair, so to speak, and trust the work of the Holy Spirit in and through us. And then we get out of the chair, still trusting. And we do our part. So what are your fears this Advent season? We all have them. What's a promise that God has spoken to you in the midst of your fears? And if you haven't heard that promise yet, will you prayerfully read the Scriptures and ask God to reveal that promise to you? It will come. And when you hear that promise, will you be, will we be like Joseph? Will we trust the promise? Will we trust God? And will we live lives of faithfulness and courage and trust in response? Let's pray together. Lord, it's a room full of men and women, boys and girls, which means it's a room full of fear. Because all of us have fears, big and small. I pray, O oh God, that you would, first of all, comfort us in knowing that someone as faithful and righteous and wonderful as Joseph could also be afraid. And then, Lord, I pray that you would help us, whatever that fear or fears may be, to recognize it when we're writing a fear-based story that probably won't come true because we tend to fear and imagine the worst. And then I pray for each person in this room, for all of us, O oh God, that you would reveal or retrieve by your Spirit just the promise that each of us need in this particular moment. And then I pray for our fears as a congregation, that you would remind us, send to us the promises that you have for us, and then as we hear those promises as individuals and as a congregation, help us to act in faith on those promises like Joseph did. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.